know, you have to invest in yourself. You have to take a stand for yourself. You can absolutely change the direction of your health and ultimately your happiness and fulfillment in life. And you're not doing anyone any favors by putting yourself last. And that includes your children. That includes your spouse. Everybody will benefit from you investing in yourself and being healthier. Be bold for yourself and invest in yourself. This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bet Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids. I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly. The world needs you. Hello and welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. And today is really special because I get to welcome a neighbor here, a neighbor of mine in the wonderful city of Gig Harbor, Washington. And we are going to talk some really, I think, powerful topics around calorie counting. We're going to talk about poop. It's a great topic and we don't talk about it enough. And maybe we can make the inner child and all of you giggle a little bit. And what better way to do that is to welcome an expert, a nutritional therapist, as she calls herself and as we call her, Kristen Barrett. And I really hope after today's episode, you go and check out her Instagram and find her because she is a wealth of information and really has the goal of helping you feel your best. And without further ado, I am so excited to have you here, Kristen. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm equally as excited to come and share some of my thoughts and hopefully be in service to your listeners. Well, you know, it's it's so cool, Kristen, because some of my best guest ideas come from other people. In fact, probably most of them, right? So I had a friend who I really respect reach out to me one day and she said, Bet, if you ever met Kristen, she is fabulous. She's a wealth of information in the wellness world. You two need to connect. And lo and behold, here she is in Gig Harbor. So I have been anxiously awaiting having you on the podcast. And I love that when I reached out to you, you were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. So um, Kristen, I've got to know you a little bit better, but there's still so much I don't know about you. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and what kind of brought you here today? And and maybe also, why do you do it? What, what brought you to wanting to help others with their nutrition? Yeah. So usually everybody who, who finds themselves in, in the more alternative um, health world has had their own health journey story that got them here, and I am no different. So my health journey started about um, 10 years ago when I was trying to get pregnant. And I thought I was very a healthy person, you know, I was thin and fit and all the right things according to, you know, ideal, what we think are ideal standards. 
But lo and behold, I, I had really had a lot of troubles getting pregnant. And so that was really the catalyst to doing a deep dive into my own body and uncovering all the layers of dysfunction that were happening inside my body that I had no idea about. So about 10 years ago, I went off the pill because I had been on the birth control pill for most of my adult life, probably starting in, in high school, actually definitely starting in high school because I had um, had really, really irregular periods. And of course, you go to the doctor and their solution is, oh, you have irregular periods here. Take the birth control pill. That'll regulate your periods. You know, there was never any talk about food or diet or lifestyle or blood sugar or any of the actual functions that were making my periods so irregular. And I knew no different. So I, I took the pill. So I did that for years and years and years off and on my whole adult life until I wanted to get pregnant. I went off the pill and I did get pregnant right away, but I miscarried. And then we tried and we tried and we tried for um, several months. And it became really obvious that something was not right with my body. I was really off my cycles, like nothing was working the way it was supposed to work. So I went to the doctor, of course, and I said, I think I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. You know, I was armed with information. I did my research and they didn't believe me. They really had no, you know, no answers for me. They just were like, nope, you don't fit what PCOS looks like. And so I, you know, worked with them for a while. And finally, I kind of had to be such a strong advocate for myself. And I was just like, I'm positive that this is what it what it is. And so they finally ran some tests and sure, sure enough, there it was. So, um, they gave me some Clomid. I got, um, I got pregnant, fortunately had a wonderful pregnancy. Everything was successful, but for that PCOS, you know, diagnosis, they gave me a drug metformin and most of your listeners who have PCOS will be very familiar with this, which is a medicine that they give to type 2 diabetes because PCOS is rooted in blood sugar dysregulation and insulin resistance. And so without question, I took it until two, about two years later when I, after I had my second daughter and I was still taking this, this pill, this drug. And I was just like, okay, so what's the deal now? You know, I'm, I'm not sure like what the deal is with this. So I went back and and they were just very plainly like, yeah, just keep taking it. And I was just like forever. And they were like, yeah. And I was just thinking, okay, something doesn't feel quite right with this, that I'm just supposed to take this drug, you know, that my body can't manage this on its own. And so that really took me into the the world of like functional nutrition and functional medicine and really getting to the why, not just the what. And so I went enrolled into a functional nutrition program and I blew my mind. I was blown away by what we don't understand about health and what it means to be healthy and how massive the impact that diet and lifestyle has on basically every single function of our body. And um, and so that really catapulted my own passion for just being so much an advocate for other women and other people in general, but specifically women, that we just don't have answers. Nobody tells us anything and we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what to ask. We don't know what's wrong. We don't know what to start. You know, we don't know where to start because 
you know, diet culture is so prevalent and diet culture doesn't do anything to make us healthy. So, so that's really where my passion lies in my own, you know, just kind of health journey of having to be my own advocate and having to fight through allopathic medicine and, and sort it out and learn what, what the real deal was. That's how I ended up here. Your story is going to hit home with so many people because I can't believe how many of us fell in this almost very similar path. And what is interesting is one of my prior guests, Dr. Jamie Seaman, who also goes by Dr. Fit and Fabulous, she was just saying how so many of us women out there get put on the pill and we think, we, we, we think, oh, we're having a period now. Oh, we're having a period. And how she was like, in that episode, she's like, Bet that's not a period. That's a forced bleed. That is not a period. And she goes, and that does not solve the underlying issue. There is an underlying issue if you are having issues with your period. And it's so sad to me because your exact story of going to the doctor as a teenager or whenever, let's say even some I hear in college or whenever, and they're like, oh, just start taking the pill. It'll fix it. And then the same thing I've heard over and over, then they never fix it. You're on the birth control pill. You think you're having a normal period. You go to have a baby and you can't have a baby. Something because the original issue never got fixed. And so I think Kristen and I, there's going to be lots of moments where we kind of want to shout it from the rooftops. But women, if you go to the doctor or if you're taking your daughter to the doctor or your granddaughter and they automatically just want to put them on the pill, you need to ask more questions. And I'm not here to bash the pill. I'm here to say exactly what Kristen said. You need to know the why. What's going on? What what's what what else is why are you going on the pill and and what may be causing some of that? So I love I love that story so much because I think it's gonna gonna highlight that. And your story about metformin, because ironically, Dr. Seaman also said she got put on metformin. I mean, it's so similar. So so you go into this functional uh, nutrition program, and did you tell me that it was the same program as uh, Cynthia Thurlow went yes. through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, same program. Yeah, I know she is wonderful. I adore her. I love her work. Oh, I love hearing that. What a what a small world. And gosh, I enjoyed interviewing her. So you reach this point, you decide to start kind of not only asking questions about your journey. Now you're saying, I want to help others on their journey. What was kind of the next step for you? What did that look like? And and what were some of the eye-opening moments that you started to have? You mean as far as um, starting to help other women? Yes. Yeah. So the the majority of women that come to me, I'm noticing, even though we're all very different and bio-individual and we all have um, different circumstances for the most part, but there was a, there's always a common thread, which is overwhelm, right? They don't know where to start because there's so much contradicting information out there. And two, that they don't, they're so out of touch with their bodies that they don't even know their symptoms. Like they're under reporters, you know, like, so they'll tell me what's wrong. And then I'll start digging in a little bit and learning a little more and asking questions. And all of a sudden the three symptoms that they thought they had actually turned into 15 or 20, but that has had been their normal for so long that they really had no idea what it felt 
like to feel good in their bodies. And so I think that's what happens over time is people just adapt and they become accustomed to, you know, living this kind of low level health life. And they, they forget, they forget what it feels like to feel good. And they just kind of like trudge on and live with it. I don't know. I'm here to say like, it doesn't have to be that way. You have so much life to live and you have to stop settling for yourself. You have to take a stand for yourself and you have to invest. It it just, you can't stay in the same conditions and expect different results. So I'm there to, you know, hold their hands, give them some accountability if that's what they need, but also just like be there to filter through what works for them specifically. Um, So we do, in my work, I do a lot of lab testing, right? So I do get to the root cause and I don't just do the Band-Aid approach of, you know, here, take this supplement, take that. Although there are a lot of supplements involved, obviously. We do the work. We do the hard work. We do the gut testing. We do the food sensitivity. Like we figure out layer by layer, we peel it back and we find out where the root of the dysfunction is happening. Um, so I that's where that. I start. Yes. Yeah. It is I very powerful. Once you start feeling good, you it's, it's, I always say it's, it's not hard to feel good. Like once you start feeling good, it's actually really easy and very motivating to keep going and keep making the changes, even though at first it feels overwhelming, but um, in the long run, I mean, this is a, this is a long run game we're in. This is life. This isn't, you know, take a pill and feel better tomorrow. This is like, mm. yeah, it's, it's powerful once you can kind of step into that and you have somebody there helping you through it. And, you know, anytime you have a problem and you don't know where to turn, you got, you know, you got whoever you're working with. If you have a practitioner who's who's doing this kind of work that I'm doing, we don't settle. We keep going and we keep peeling away the layers. I mean, you know, most people come to me if they've been sick for a really long time. And that's, I mean, we get big wins right away from making a few tweaks. But ultimately, we can't expect fast results when these things have been happening for years. Like the body needs time to recreate a new condition. Yes. Yes. I think you had so many good points there. I think first and foremost, that most of us get to this point where we just think that this is how we're, we're, this is how it's going to be. And I had always been that person that tried to, you know, I'm an optimist. And when I had kind of hit my wall on my health journey, I just kind of thought, well, you know, I've had, I've, I'm a mom of four kids. I, work full time. This is just how I'm going to feel. Like this is how this isn't. And then, like you said, there's so much hope out there. And we want to tell a lot of you out there that you can feel better. Like don't just settle. Don't. And uh, we're going to talk about some things that we think can be difference makers. I also appreciated your comment on, on being patient because it's like, you know, it's like baby weight when you're pregnant or it's like, you know, people expect, you know, you grew a baby. I, I posted about this the other day. You grew a baby for nine months, people. But pr- before that, you might have had infertility. You might have miscarried. The journey to, to growing that baby was much more than nine months. And then you're telling, you're thinking that, oh, all that baby weight that, that you gain is all of a sudden just going to poof and be gone. Yeah. I mean, the same thing is when, you know, if, if you've struggled on your health journey for years, why do we think? that anything's going to change our health overnight. But it's it just, it's, it boggles my mind. It's like, it's been seven days. Yeah. It's been seven days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get that a lot. You have to kind of rewire your brain a little bit. And yes, it's funny. I know. So when you work with clients, 
what are you finding? And you don't have to share all of it. I'm sure we could have numerous podcast episodes on this, but what are you finding are some things that are helping them to be successful on their health journey? Maybe just a couple that that are well, highlights. Yeah, I think I think the one thing I mentioned was just having a long game mindset, you know, and mm-hmm. and knowing that like literally the changes that we make change the whole trajectory of your life. I mean, you will never look at food or nutrition or your lifestyle in the same way again. You just won't. You can't because you can't unlearn what you learn. Um, and so I think having that long game mindset and and rolling with it and listening to your body and becoming so attuned to what your body's saying is the first thing. And then I think the second thing would be to really like celebrate the small wins because you are having this long game mindset. If you can celebrate the small wins, right? So if your goal is weight loss, you know, which obviously is a big one, but if your goal is weight loss, but you start having really stable energy, like two o'clock slump goes away, that's a huge win. And you can Mm -hmm. glaze over those things so quickly because you're so, you know, fixated on the number on the scale or what your pants feel like, you know, that you, you skip over all of these small wins that, that are actual really, really strong indicators of the work that you're doing and the the health that you're creating. So really powerful small wins to just stop and acknowledge the work that you're putting in is super helpful in keeping you motivated when you're on your whole journey. Because it never ends. You're always going to have to be listening and, and adapting and adjusting. I mean, you go through periods where everything feels great, but then all of a sudden you'll come up to a period of life where, you know, some stress happens or something happens and it kind of throws everything upside down and you, you kind of have to be equipped to be able to have some resilience to, mm-hmm. you know, know the long-term game is there, but also like stay in the small stuff too. You know, it's, right. yeah. Right. I love that advice because you do see a lot of people get really wrapped up. And like you mentioned in your journey, you were kind of one of those people that maybe from the outside looked healthy. Totally. You know, yeah. kind of and I don't like this term in terms of what what it stands for, but you'll see certain people, do they call it Sophie where they're they're skinny on the outside but inflamed on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another thing that too often we're so focused on that scale or the outside that there's a lot of people walking around that are naturally thin or wear it a certain way, but that are very unhealthy and their inflammation just doesn't, maybe doesn't show up on a scale as much. Maybe their inflammation shows up in their uterus or in their ovaries, in their brain. Yes. Oh, in, in you're other, nailing it. In yes. your body parts. And I think it's really interesting and something I'd love to to see talked about more and more is why is there such an increase in Alzheimer's in women? And I really love it when nutritionists and experts have started referring to Alzheimer's as type three diabetes that, and a lot of the women I see with Alzheimer's are not essentially overweight or they don't have that appearance of kind of, Oh, well, they're super unhealthy. But in my mind, Maybe their inflammation's just going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I I'd really want to challenge people that if you're someone who's kind of naturally skinny on the outside, but you're not feeling your best, you're kind of kind of like what Kristen was was sharing about with her PCOS and other things, you may want to start asking some questions because just because you naturally look like that doesn't mean 
you're at the healthiest you can be. Oh my gosh, so much. And you're tapping into like my love language, (laughs) which is is the gut, right? So I'm obsessed with the gut and the gut houses its very own nervous system called the enteric nervous system. And the enteric nervous system that resides in our gut actually generates the vast majority of our nervous or of our neurotransmitters, right? Like 95% of our serotonin is made in our gut, like 50% of our dopamine, our melatonin, our immune system. These are all housed in our gut. And the connection between our brain and our central nervous system and our enteric nervous system, 90% of the nerve fibers go from the gut to the brain. That's massive. Like that tells us that the gut is educating our brain about the world inside our body, right? The gut is telling our brain what our microbial population is or what the status of our food and our nutrients is or what medications are coming in or what toxins are coming in. Like the microbes that live in our gut and, and everything in there is highly being regulated. You know, all of our biochemistry is being regulated by the microbes in our gut and their activity and their DNA. We're more bacteria than we are our own human cells. And so when you start talking about like Alzheimer's and and all of these like, um, you know, neurodegenerative conditions, like you cannot skip over those powerful facts. Like this is science. Science is proving this huge connection between the gut and the brain. And some scientists are even saying, you know, they they used to think the brain was the first brain and the gut was the second, but now they're really saying, no, actually the gut is the first brain. The brain inside our head is actually secondary, which is, I mean, I know it's like, that's, that's crazy if you think about it. So the fact that we, you know, as a Western medicine model, skip over that whole idea entirely and, and don't address the dysfunctions in the gut. Oh man, what a miss. Like what a miss. And that's one of the reasons when I first started my practice, I thought I was going to like be really into hormones and helping women because that was my journey. But as I got into it and I started doing the research and reading the science and oh my gosh, I was like the gut. It's all about the gut. And I can tell you this, I would say like 95, 99% of my clients all have a level of gut dysfunction that we have to work with. And, And that's where we usually start. And in fact, and it's hard for people to wrap their head around that, you know, and this is kind of that long game mindset that you have to go on. Like they want to get right to like, you know, making the changes that see the results, but that's not the way this is going to work. Like we have to figure out what's in your gut. We got to, you know, do you have pathogens living in there? Do you, you know, you got bacteria that we need to get out of there. Do you need more bacteria? Like there's so many things that can be contributing. And even if you are talking about hormones, like your thyroid hormones and, you know, your sex hormones, all of those things are dependent on a healthy gut. So anything else is really kind of Band-Aid medicine, you know, and constipation. I got a, I get a lot of feedback about constipation. Um, constipation is not the problem. It's the sign of a problem. So if you have constipation, which I know many people do, it's not about just taking the Metamucil or it's not about, you know, just being okay with having two bowel movements a week. Like this is a sign of dysfunction happening inside your body and it needs to be addressed because chances are if they haven't already, they will show up somewhere else and they can be a lot more serious than some uncomfortable constipation. Um, So we have to like just readdress the way we look at health and what that looks like and how we 
start resolving issues. I think that that's just so important because a mindset that I often remind people is that, you know, we've kind of had it all wrong. Mm -hmm. We thought, you know, we kind of thought we had to lose weight to get healthy. But in reality, we kind of got to get healthy. If weight loss is your goal, you got to get healthy first. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's where it's like this light bulb moment. And I'm not saying that someone who is dramatically struggling with their obesity journey, that if they don't lose weight, they're not going to get healthier. But for a lot of us, we need to change our mindset. And the goal is we got to get healthy from the inside. Yes. Got to do it. And it will then have put you, like you said, on this trajectory forward. Hey friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out, and I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guests. So someone comes to you, and they're constipated. And they are, I know you featured a a story here recently about a client. And what do you find are some tips and things that you do to help someone who's struggling with kind of regular bowel movements? And to be honest, Kristen, this is something I find someone's either extremely regular or they're like extremely caught. It feels like there's like one camp or the other. Yeah. And I find it's funny because I'm going to TMI for everyone listening. I'm, is, my husband is on the extremely regular side. And in fact, sometimes that has pointed to things in his diet that don't agree with him. Like gluten has not been something that's been a great part of his, he's not a celiac. Um, but he does react to gluten. Like he'll get more uh, reflux and his stomach will get more upset. Whereas I'm more on the opposite, but mine is totally self-inflicted. Mine is, I am just a busy person and a fault of mine is I don't slow down to drink water more regularly. Like I am more prone to constipation. So if you're someone more like me, what are the things you say, Bet, we're going to, this is what I want you to do, or these are the things we're going to look at to address this? Yeah. So there are some definite, like everybody's got a little different, you know, needs, but there are some pretty consistent things across the board. Um, one of them you said, which is like the most basic, and I know everybody rolls their eyes when somebody says, just drink more water, but it's true, people. Hydration is t- literally the primary cofactor for all the gastric juices that your body produces in digestion. And it's also one of the primary nutritional deficiencies. Like we are chronically dehydrated. And if you don't got water going on in that body, you're not going to produce the gastric juices you need to break down food and to flush food out. Like it's, it's just the reality. They're called gastric juices for a reason. They're not solids. They're not powder. They are liquid and they require water to work. So hydration alone can be a game changer for a lot of ailments that people are are feeling. You also touched on another really good one, which is removing gluten and dairy. Like I find for somebody who's struggling with constipation, just 
taking gluten and dairy out and and just do it for like 15 days. Don't you don't have to like, you know, freak out about it and be like, Oh, my God, I can never have it again. Just take it out for like 15 or 30 days and see what changes can happen. Gluten is really disruptive for the gut for everybody, like for for every single person, you don't have to be a celiac to stop eating gluten or to have a reason to stop eating gluten. Most people actually every single person that I've ever run a food sensitivity test on gluten has come up as a sensitivity. Every single person, 100%. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's highly disruptive to the gut. And then dairy, dairy specifically is a really well-known and well-documented driver of constipation. So taking those two things out kind of off the top will be, can be a real game changer. And then just identifying other food sensitivities, right? So if you can get your hands on a food sensitivity test, running those, because a lot of times we're eating foods that we're sensitive to that are creating all this inflammation inside our body. And not only that, but when you have inflammation inside your body, your body is automatically in stress, right? That's a stress condition. And so when you're in stress, your body is already compromising its ability to digest food. Um, So we have, you know, we have our nervous system, uh, our central nervous system, which is our parasympathetic and our sympathetic. And the one that you just described that you're in is the sympathetic nervous system. It's the fight or flight. It's the go, go, go. It's the, you know, rushing from one thing to the other. And that is great when you need to be fighting or you need to be running from a threat. That's not so great when we're living in that every day because our bodies aren't designed to operate in that way. And think about it. If you're fight or flight, right, if you're sympathetic dominant and your body feels like it's under attack because it doesn't know the difference between a real threat and one that we're just creating from day-to-day operation, it's not going to devote any attention to digestion and it's not going to devote any attention to sex hormones because this is not a safe environment to be worrying about digesting food and it's not a safe environment to be procreating. So it's going to shunt all of that energy into fighting or fleeing from whatever threat you're putting on it. And that includes just day-to-day basic stuff. So having good eating hygiene, like slowing down and chewing your food can have massive impacts on your body's ability to digest and to have a bowel movement. In fact, being relaxed and chewing food are the only two parts of the digestion function that you can control. Those are the only two things that you can control in the whole process. And if you're not doing one or two of those things, what are, you know, like, what are you expecting to happen? I mean, you have to stop and allow your body to go into that kind of more relaxed, okay, now we're going to digest our food. Now we're going to produce some gastric juices. This is a safe environment. We can relax. You know, take a few deep breaths before you eat. Be thankful. I always am like, just be thankful to the people, all of the people that got this meal to, to the table, the farmer, the truck driver, the grocery store worker, like whatever it may be, take a second to be grateful and not just inhale it. You know, I mean, this is this is what's nourishing our bodies. Our cells are literally being made from the food that we're eating. So tune in, like get in there. So those three things are huge. The other thing is, for some reason, we have gotten to this place where like people still believe that eating six small meals a day is what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm here to say like, that is not how our bodies are designed to work. We are not designed to have access to food 
24-7. We're not designed to have food at our fingertips anytime we want it. And so when we're grazing all day, we're never giving our body the ability to actually digest anything. I mean, you're eating, you're not even done digesting one meal before putting another one in. You know, like think about that physiologically, like that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, if your blood sugar needs help, if we're dysregulated, then maybe for a short period of time while we work on getting your blood sugar regulated, we do some small meals. But for the vast majority of us, this idea that like six small meals a day revs up our metabolism, that's totally false. That's not true, like, you know, for most of us. You know, and I think it just provides such a disservice to all of us because we're just training to graze. And I, you know, seriously, Kristen, I am, I love this topic because I was probably the worst out of everybody listening. I swear, I could graze all day. I'm like my lab. Like if there's dog food there, <laughs> that dog, like our dog will never stop eating. Like I yeah. am a grazer. It, yeah. If it's there, I want to eat it. And the thing that I I love mentioning is I have no problem eating healthy food. Like I'll eat healthy food, but I think there's a lot of people grazing all day on healthy food and then they're frustrated. They're like, well, I'm eating pretty healthy. Why am I not losing weight? Well, you need to give your digestion a break and maybe you're you don't need to lose weight, but you just need to get healthier. Like you need to give your digestive system a break. And for those that don't want to ever intermittent fast, I even found success, Kristen, early on my journey with just stopping the snacking between meals. Oh. And it was really hard. It was really hard, right? But I found such success with that. And I really want to encourage people like if you're like, oh, bitch, so is talking about intermittent fasting, blah, 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 or intermittent fasting doesn't apply to my journey, okay, just stop the snacking. Yeah. Just just, just do it and trust us, and it will be hard yeah. for a while, but it's worth it. Yeah, it is worth it. Once you, When you get your blood sugar regulated, oh my gosh, the light bulb turns back on. The yes. light bulb in your brain tur- literally turns back on, and I can't stress that enough. In fact, that's why calories, oh gosh, counting calories, man, that's a terrible way to lose weight, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, not, for one thing, not all calories are equal, right? It, take, it right. takes no account into the den- nutrient density of the food you're eating. You know, we know that to be true. Just because, you know, a piece of bread has 50 calories and, you know, a uh, couple ounces of red meat has 50 ca- Those are not equal by any stretch of the imagination. Calories is one form of a measurement of food. That's all it is. That's all it is. There's no real health reason that that's going to say eating this number of calories is healthier. And not only that, but it doesn't even do anything to address any of the actual dysfunction happening inside our body, right? Like the health of your gut and microbiome or how your blood sugar is regulated or your hormones, how, you know, how much hormones are you producing? It doesn't address any of those things. And not only that, this is probably the worst one that I find is if a, if a client of mine, like I don't do any tracking, like we don't start there at all. Like we have so much work to do before we talk about, I want you to feel nourished and I want you to be eat. It's the quality of food that we're focused on. I'm retraining you what to look for. So sometimes clients, you know, cause they've been stuck in this mindset for so long of counting calories and low fat and all of those things that they still do it. And if it comes up, they'll, they'll read to me, you know, what they're eating and what the calories are. And it's like shockingly low. And I'm thinking if your goal is to eat, you know, 1200 calories to sustain life, like, is that all you want? You, 
You only want to sustain your life. You don't want more than that. And I think that's kind of the idea that I, I really work hard to like reinstill in people, specifically women. You're not here just to sustain your life. Right. And, and counting calories keeps you in that mindset. We're here to expand and be vibrant and be luscious and do really good things in the world. And we're not going to be able to do that if we're limiting ourselves by keeping ourselves stuck in this box of, okay, so I only ate, you know, negotiating with food. It's not about that at all. It's about like finding ways to support your body, finding ways to support your gut, finding ways to support your blood sugar. And so that your system is operating on five cylinders, six cylinders. So I have a real problem with the counting calories paradigm. And not only that, but this, this, um, this might be a little bit out there, but thinking about our bodies as females, like we operate on like a 28-ish day cycle, right? Our menstrual cycles. And at various points in that cycle, we have different calorie needs. We have different nutrient needs. We have different cravings. Our hormones are a real thing, you know, and yes. we need to respect that and not look at it as some inconvenience or some kind of problem to cross to bear. What a gift it is actually that we get, you know, because men don't have this. We get a gift every month to tell us where we're at, how healthy mm -hmm. we are. Is there anything we need to address? You know, the same thing happens with our poop, right? Like our poop is a really good sign for us. Like every time we go poop, we get to decide, you know, we get to see very clearly, like what's our health like today? And the same thing is with our periods. What a gift that we have that every month we, we get to like measure or, or monitor what's happening and what, you know, if we need to address anything. And diet culture and this counting calorie um, and the rest of the world really revolves around the male hormone cycle, which is a 24-hour period. So walking away from that, you know, like this need to like fill this, you know, male-dominated diet culture, counting calories and like what skinny looks like and this optimal, like that, we got to let that go. You know, we got uh -huh. to reprogram the way that we feel about like how we want to feel in our bodies. Um, yes. So I think that um, counting calories is like, it's a terrible way to lose weight. It, not only that, but man, I don't particularly enjoy it. That just makes me obsessed with food. I mean, that's, I have- That's the thing, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not helping you because you're constantly thinking about, oh, it, it makes you obsess not actually have a healthy relationship with food, at least for me. Agree 100%. I've- I, you know, I love to indulge in foods that I know aren't, you know, serving my body the best way. But when I do that, I'm making a really conscious effort to like understand, okay, I'm probably going to feel a little crappy tomorrow, but guess what? That's okay. Cause it's worth it. You know, it's like, but when you live in this kind of obsessive culture of like, you know, deciding if you earned it or if you're allowed to have it, man, what a, what a, what a miss for, you know, freedom in your life. And that's not, that's not what we're after at all. Like there's so much better way to live so much better way. Once your body starts feeling nourished and you're getting enough fat and you're digesting your food well, it's like the sky's the limit. You know, yes. when you, when you're nourished, your body will start healing itself. It wants to heal itself. It really does. That's what it's constantly working to do. The problem is we get in the way, you know, we feed it suboptimal nutrient foods and we like stress in life and we, you know, we don't get enough sleep and we, we totally get in the way. 
And so it's really just about, at my work specifically, it's about identifying the stressors in somebody's body or in somebody's life, removing them while like building up health and then allowing the body to do what it does, you know, and that's kind of the, just the, the blueprint basically for what we need to kind of start doing as far as our health. You know, I think that if that could be right there, if that could be everyone's approach, we would all be healthier. We would all be healthier. And and there's things in that that I still need to improve on. And I just want so many people to realize and think about, Kristen and I are here to argue that there are some some science on on okay calories sure. in calories out sure yeah. sure sure there's yeah. certain things that you can be on a calorie restricted diet and you can lose weight yes right. you can but right. you can lose weight a lot of different ways yes but i believe and i think kristen believes that the healthiest approach for most of us i never say all but for most of us is to let go of calorie counting and really focus on what you can have and eating the right foods and foods that satiate you. And I remember when I started eating foods that had just a little bit more real fat in them, it was like all of a sudden things that I was so scared of, things that I was told were horrible for me, started satiating me. And that's what allowed me to go longer between meals. That's what allowed me to really snacking because I was eating food that actually didn't just make me go into a ravenous feed, you know? It was actually addressing addressing what my body wanted and what it needed. And I think the other thing that's so goofy, like you said, is that there should be some days where you eat more calories and there should be some days where you eat less. And those days that your body's telling you you need a little bit more, we're so trained to freak out. Yes. Like, oh, oh crap, I'm ruining everything. And over and over again, you know what usually happens for me is I have a, a day where I my body's telling me I need a little bit more. I try to choose foods that are going to serve me best. And guess what? The next day, my body is like, oh, I don't need as much today. And it it's almost like I have to remind myself of that all the time and remind others. Like, you shouldn't be just a 1,000 calorie machine every day. That's yeah. not your body. That's no, like saying you, not. you know? <laughs> yes, totally. And now, and it's funny now, like we know, you know, that, and I have to bring it back to the gut because that's yes. where we go. But the, the microbes living in your gut literally dictate cravings. I mean, you're feeding, you're not feeding yourself, you're free feeding them. And oh, yeah. so when you have like specific, you know, if you have like some dysbiosis in your gut, your gut bugs are telling you what to eat. They're sending those signals up to your brain going, I need more sugar because sugar is what feeds some of those opportunistic bacteria. So when those opportunistic, and this is part of the reason why, I mean, there's a blood sugar component to this too, but when you start eating sugar, it hooks in, it, it gets you. Like once you, once you get on that sugar train, it's hard to get off. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them is because your gut. Um, And so like calories don't pay any attention to that. You know, they don't pay any attention to the health of your gut and what, you know, what kind of microbes or what kind of parasites are in there or whatever is happening. So it really is a very poor way to lose weight. And man, just the idea of like limiting your calories to the point of sustaining life. Like that right yes. there should be a, a light bulb moment for, for somebody who needs a little bit of a reframe. Like you're not here to sustain your life. You're here for more than that. Yes. 
Yeah. No, I think that's such a beautiful way to put it. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I never, never thought of it that way. So, so Kristen, I love, I feel like you've given us so many takeaways when it comes to our gut from your health journey in particular, from calorie counting and poop. And I have kind of a bold question to ask you that I didn't tell you I was going to ask. So I've started to incorporate this into the interview because I think it's kind of fun. This doesn't have to be, you know, we all have our opinions, but what as a, as a wellness expert, what's your take on hand sanitizer? I hate it. Yeah. Hate it. Me too. It's, 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 yeah. I, man, mm -mm. I, I only use it if like somebody asks me to out of respect for them. But I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's going to produce a lot of resistant bacteria and make things more. And we need, oh my gosh, the, there's a microbiome that live inside of us, but that I didn't even mention like the biome that lives around us. Yeah. You know, like we need to be one with these bacteria. Like bacteria is a good thing. And we need to, we need to love that and embrace that and appreciate that. So I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't use it. I don't have my girls use it. We can all choose to respect each other's opinions, but you know, I was raised in a family that dirt isn't a bad thing. Bacteria is not a bad thing and we're far from perfect, but you know, my kids don't get sick very often and they play in the dirt and uh, yeah, I want them to wash their hands and, and be sanitary. Sure. But I, I'm worried about the mom who's overusing the hand sanitizer. And then she's also using a ton of cleaning products and she's just taking away so much from her own kind of her own microbiome in my opinion. And I, and, and maybe hurting herself more than helping herself. I just worry about that. And I'm, I'm not a physician, but it's just something, it's my bold question of the day and my bold little insert there that maybe if you're getting sick a lot, maybe if you're having some health issues, are you overdoing it on the hand sanitizer and the cleaning products, you know? And, and I'm like you, I don't have my kids use them. I, but I, if, if someone wants me to out of respect, I will. Okay. Kristen, before we, I ask you what your bold advice is to close the interview. If someone wants to connect with you and learn more about the services you provide and how do they connect with you? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear from anybody interested in, in talking more with any of the things that we've talked about today. So you can find me, my website is actually down cause I'm kind of re, you know, rebranding a little bit, but, um, right. all of my, all of my contact information is actually on my website, you know, the under construction page, which is epichealthllc.com. So you can find my link to my Instagram account, my Facebook page, my phone number, and my email all there if you just go to the website. And my Instagram account is Epic Health LLC as well. So, uh, But I think your content is amazing. I think there is a wealth of different information and diversity of information where if you do like the gut or if you do want to talk diet or if you do want to talk fasting or calorie counting or poop, I feel like you can learn something. And so, and I've learned a lot today. So on your health journey through working with a ton of clients or on your life journey, what What's kind of either a motto you live by or what's the bold advice that you would like to share with the listeners as we close today? Well, I think I I already kind of touched on it earlier, which is just stop settling, you know, like really stop settling. Um, 
I get on the phone with a lot of people who reach out that want to, you know, they really do know that they need to make a change and they need to do things differently. And they're, you know, they're, they're motivated, but they just like stop short of actually investing in themselves. They wait for, you know, okay, you know, when this happens, um, I'll get back in touch with you or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, they just settle short of actually investing and being in a place that they like want to change the way they feel. They want to change the way they feel. And I just think that, um, you know, you have to invest in yourself. You have to take a stand for yourself. You can absolutely change the direction of your health and ultimately your happiness and fulfillment in life. And you're not doing anyone any favors by putting yourself last. And that includes your children. That includes your spouse. Everybody will benefit from you investing in yourself and being healthier. So, that's my, that's my boldness. Like I know, you know, I know that's a hard one for people to do, but it is be bold for yourself, be bold for yourself and invest in yourself. I think it's so important because no matter how many of us are, are saying this, we need to say it more often and louder because there are so many out there that are like you say, like you said so beautifully, they're waiting. They're just like, oh, well, I'm going to wait. Yeah. I'm going to wait. and Maybe today's your day. Yeah. Today is your day. Yeah. And I love the word epic. Today's your day to to uh, to be epic. Well, thank you for your time today, your wisdom. And I know I gleaned so much off of today's interview. And, and I can't wait to maybe have you back someday, Krista. Oh, I would thank love you. it. I feel like we only touched the scratch the surface. Oh my gosh, that's the thing with I think health, right? I feel like yeah. we could just talk. There's yeah. so many topics out there and topics that, you know, are kind of not being talked about. They're they're really not. And so thank you for continuing to preach these just important, important things because I know they're making a difference in people's lives. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.